Hi, and welcome to Yes Please, your go-to podcast for all things sexuality, pleasure, and orgasms. I've named this podcast Yes Please because that's how I want you to feel about all things sex, pleasure, and orgasms. Yes, please, and more. (laughs) I'm so glad you're here and that you want to learn more about how to experience more shameless pleasure, deeper satisfaction, and ecstatic orgasms in your life and sexuality. And I hope to inspire you to feel that you can embrace and celebrate your sexuality all throughout your life journey. This podcast isn't just about sex and sex education, however, it's about so much more. Personal growth, living a radiant and confident and authentic life, radical joy and expression, and general fucking goodness. I'm your host, Erica Alsborn, and I'm a sexuality teacher and expert, sex and birth coach, but you can think of me more as your BFF who you love to talk to about sex and all the intimate things you don't feel comfortable talking about with anyone else. I celebrate the vast and diverse human, erotic, and sexual experience, and I embody a deep shamelessness when it comes to sex in all its different expressions. However, having said that, I am a straight, able-bodied, cisgendered woman, and in my work I specialize in female sexuality, and I work with women with pussies, and while I have a broad and liberal approach to sex, and a very extensive training, my knowledge is limited by my own lived experience as well as the focus in my professional work. But I hope you'll learn lots here with me, expand your idea of what sex is and can be and mean for you, and even though I'm an expert on this topic, I'm not an authority. Everything I share is always a suggestion, not a must, so take what resonates and leave the rest behind. I'm always open to receiving your constructive feedback, so don't hesitate to reach out if you have any. Okay, hi and welcome again. I'm delighted that you're here, and now let's dive into today's topic. Welcome back to the pod and to another guest episode where we are today joined by Maggie Reyes. Maggie is so special. She's she's a special person, period, but she's very special to me for um, very, well, if you listen to the podcast, um, well, this episode for very obvious reasons, but in short, she has held me through some of my most vulnerable and challenging moments in my marriage because she is a life coach and a marriage coach. She calls herself a modern marriage mentor. And she definitely mentored me through uh, some challenges in my relationship. She's an incredible coach, an incredible person. She's fun. Uh, She has an incredible sense of humor. And um, I love so many things about Maggie and I'm so grateful and super proud of the conversation that we had today. I think it turned out amazing. We covered incredibly interesting things and we focused on relationships and just seeing how many similarities there are in marriage Uh, coaching and in sex coaching because we're all dealing with deep personal transformation and so I'm excited for you to listen to this and I hope you'll like it and that you'll learn from the conversation. Maggie is like I said a life coach and a modern marriage mentor who specializes in helping driven ambitious women create the marriages of their dreams without waiting for their partners to change or adding more work to their lives. Maggie is the creator of the Marriage MBA program. It's a six-month mentorship in creating a successful marriage using principles from positive psychology, cognitive science, and simple coaching tools that you can learn today and apply tomorrow. She's also the author of the best-selling book, Questions for Couples Journal, and the host of the Top 100 The Marriage Life Coach podcast. 
I highly recommend you check out Maggie's podcast and the book. They have helped me incredibly. They're super popular, obviously, uh, and, uh, and for good reasons, because she's amazing in the content that she puts out and the way that she talks about relationships. It's so positive, inspiring. And also, um, she translates pretty complex things into simple language so that normal people can learn how to do the work themselves, right? Which is what we, what we need and what we want. When Maggie isn't teaching or coaching, she loves reading and obsessing uh, over Bridgerton, reading fan fiction, and watching superhero movies with her hubby. If you want to learn how to stop doing the things that poison the love in a relationship and start doing the things that make love stronger, you can find the tools to start becoming your best loving self at maggiereyes.com. The link is below in the show notes. So yeah, enjoy this incredible conversation. Check out Maggie's work, her podcast, her website, her book, her programs, and may you have the most fulfilling, loving, and obviously erotic and sexually satisfying relationship ever. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Erica. <laughs> it's so, so, so good to be here with you and to, I see your face, but people don't, but I'm so happy to see you and to be here with you. Oh my gosh, same. I love your face. I love being your energy. <laughs> and I think we're going to have fun today. Yeah, I think so too. And um, I just told you like off record, but I'll, I'll say yeah. it here again, because I think I believe to, I believe in transparency to a certain degree in my yeah. work. Um, I talk about really um, personal things. I oftentimes talk about my, my own sexuality, my own journey with orgasms and all of the orgasms that I didn't have and all the orgasms that I have and things like that. But I also, I'm also quite private in a way, but mm -hmm. I'm very private actually. Um, mm -hmm. But I just said to Maggie, before we started recording, that it's nice to see your face and talk to you when I'm not <laughs> deeply questioning my relationship like thinking about leaving him and like hating him and like spewing the worst verbal vomit onto him but in a chat in a safe container with Maggie because you held me uh, when I was going through some of the deepest darkest moments in my marriage and I am forever grateful for you for that so so everyone, my hand is on my heart. I'm taking <laughs> that in. It's very, very special. Um, Eric and I have a beautiful history together. Uh, we met in a sex, love, and relationship coaching training where she was one of my mentors and held space for me during my evolution and my growth when I was figuring out who I was. And it's it's so fascinating over the years. Like I, I am now who I was becoming then, mm. but it's almost like she helped me become who I needed to be who I wanted to be what was living inside me that that wanted to grow. And then that helping me become years later helped me hold her in a special moment of her life and I just I get tingles just even thinking about it oh full body chills yeah. <laughs> yeah and isn't that so beautiful that we can both be like in some periods of our lives and with some people we get to be the teacher or the mentor or the guide and then it can come back and yes. then we switch roles and sometimes yes. we're we're the one like holding the space and holding the support and sometimes 
it's the other way around. Yeah, I love that so much from the point of view of living in a collaborative society, like having feminist liberatory principles and saying, um, especially in the coaching world and the coaching spaces, being really non-hierarchical, like some days, you know, I'm the teacher and some days you're the teacher and sometimes you're the space holder and sometimes I'm the space holder and how beautiful it is. We've experienced that in a beautiful, intimate way and how beautiful it is to just share it with everyone who's listening, um, who can also see that maybe in their relationship, because I know that this is about pleasure and this is the, you know, yes, please, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, how can we do that with our partners where sometimes we're giving, sometimes we're receiving, sometimes Sometimes we're holding space for their dreams or fantasies or their their blooming, you know, that they want. And sometimes they're holding space for us. Like we can take that in so many relationships and we can model that here. Absolutely. I love that perspective and how we can see that through the relationship lens as well. And I think it's really easy to get into this fixed mindset or like I am the evolved one. (laughs) I am the intelligent one. I am the one who's worked on herself and like you, you small little man or like you small little person, whatever it is. And like, uh, and when, if we get into that fixed mindset around who our partner is and what they are capable of doing or, you know, the dynamic in the relationship, we will also never allow them to be that and also never really allow ourselves to receive that. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, why I reached out to you um, to invite you to my podcast is because, well, one, you have an amazing podcast yourself. And so I like to surround myself with people I am inspired by and that I think do amazing work. And so definitely check out Maggie's podcast. Um, it's, It's incredible and you learn so much, but also because you specifically work uh, in a similar way as I do is that you work with a topic that is oftentimes very much related to having a partner and having issues that show up in a partner dynamic, but you mm-hmm. work with the individual. And mm-hmm. I specifically work with sexuality, but mm-hmm. with, I'm, I'm specialized in female mm-hmm. sexuality. I work mm-hmm. with people who are conditioned as women, identify as women and, and say, I'm, I'm a woman. I work with women, but obviously the work directly impacts a relationship and partner sexuality. So yes. that's why I felt like this is so interesting to invite yeah. you onto the pod to have a conversation about this and just to pick your brain on, on this topic. And yeah. yeah. And also because I want you to inspire other people out there. Like I want you to reach my audience so that people can feel like, wow, there's so much potential for growth and evolution in the realm of relationship issues. Yes. And they love nerding out about all these things. Bring it. (laughs) (laughs) So, so tell me a little bit about like, what's your, what's the word like um, philosophy or mantra or like just mm, your, your thoughts about this, like how it's, well, specifically, oh no, actually, why did you choose to work with the individual only uh, as a relationship coach? That's so interesting. In the beginning, it honestly was sort of serendipitous and just like, oh, I think, you know, I trained as a coach and we coach one person at a time. And that's just initially there wasn't a lot of thought into it in the beginning. And then as I 
did continuing education and saw all the different ways that I could work with people, then I really did put intentional thought into it. And where I landed was I really came upon systems theory, which is basically when one element in a system changes, the other elements in the system respond to that change. And I thought, oh, this is really interesting. So if one person in a relationship makes changes, the other people respond. It doesn't mean they do everything you want them to do. <laughs> they <No>. just respond. <laughs> and so I thought, this is really interesting. What would that be like? And so over time, it's become very intentional and very much, um, in my case, I work with type A, super driven women, super successful who are struggling for some reason in their relationship. Very often, what makes us successful in business or professional realms can be challenging at home. Um, and so I work with a very uh, specific type of person that usually, like, it'll be so funny, I'll ask a question in one of my groups and everybody will raise their hand because they all have the same situations <laughs> with different names and faces. It's kind of funny. Um, so how I got into it initially was just kind of serendipitous. And then it became just, oh, wait, I'm a woman and I'm telling myself the story that I can't change my relationship and that I can't do anything without the other person's participation. And if they're not interested in the, making the same types of changes that I'm interested in making, then what, I'm screwed? What is that? Mm -hmm. Like, like if from a point of view of being a powerful woman on earth, I'm like, wait, hold on. We're powerful means we can have power over this situation. And sometimes it is reconciliation or renewal or restoration and thriving love and sometimes it isn't and either way I want to take my, my clients anyone who's listening to my voice right now from a place of feeling powerless to a place of feeling powerful mm. thank you it's really interesting um that systems approach yeah yeah because it's not about like getting them to do what you want it's just about seeing how your actions or your <sighs> response or your communication your <sighs> way of showing up impacts their reactions. Yeah. And so one of the things that happens, the way that I think about it is, okay, there's a lot of things happening. Usually it's multiple things happening at the same time, but let's clean up your side of the table. Let's just make sure all of that is crystal clear and clean. And then let's see what's left. And very <laughs> oftentimes when we go through that journey and we, and we do that, then the person that I'm working with becomes more calm pauses and breathes and is more intentional in the interactions and very often then the partner responds to that calmness responds to that those interactions and very often the way I like to think about it is most of us are not married to jerks we're married to wounded people having hard days and that's very different some of us are married to jerks and with this process you figure that out really quickly and that to me that's information you want to know i'd rather that you find it out with you over a six month period than wait six years 10 years 15 years be like oh <laughs> no i know right so yeah. let's figure that out so if you're pouring love and and understanding and, and and just the intention to be present with the other person and the person's absolutely cut off from any kind of reaction that's data we want to have. I look at it as data. We're collecting data to see what is the best relationship you could have with this person. And then do you want that? So I've had situations where people thrive and it's amazing and, and they just really are in a whole new place. And I've had situations where I remember very clearly one of my clients just said, I just don't want to be loved this way. Like now mm. that I've cleaned up my side of the table and I see, okay, how does this person express their love? I don't want that. But it's so different 
coming from a place of grounded, centered love than coming from like anger and resentment. Yeah, absolutely. I I love the, the all the different similarities and uh, like similar approaches that I see with with the sexuality growth and evolution around like being powerless and powerful, empowered or disempowered, uh, active or passive. Um, and it's so funny, earlier this morning, I recorded uh, another podcast episode, a solo one with myself, yeah. um, about the topic of self-pleasure as foreplay. Ooh. And where you can shift your mindset around that. And it's kind of like the same same approach. Like, I don't have to wait for you to turn me on I don't have to put the responsibility of my sexuality my pleasure in your hands and always you know feel like a man has to initiate sexuality or give me permission to be sexual or you know activate my sexuality and I am just like here to respond I actually get to be like feel subjective and have um be my own initiator instigator and owner and in foreplay, we can do that really consciously, but it's the exact same principle that you mentioned around like, yeah. I don't have to wait for you. I don't have to. And I also don't have to tell you to do lots of things. I can do it myself and I can invite you into that space and you will respond differently to how I am inhabiting and embodying myself, my space, my body, my bedroom, etc. Um, It's so, so funny how it's so similar. Yeah, so, the so emotional, similar. the emotional arc is the same like the the facts might be different the things we're working on might be different um but the emotional arc is so similar and one thing I want to say is I work mostly with um humans who identify as women and most of them are married to men but I also work with women who are married to women I mean I Mm -hmm. work with the one woman (laughs) um and one of my own journeys is to be more inclusive so I just want to say that too like like uh, the psychology is the same, by the way. Yeah. I um I love the work of the Gottman Institute. They research marriage, which is my specialty. And they did some research on same-sex couples, both men with men and women with women. And the, the psychology of like uh, cultivating friendship, cultivating connection, the way that, that we thrive as humans, it's no different. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in case anyone was wondering, we kind of all suspected that's true. And now we have like, oh, they interviewed 10,000 people and figured that out. <laughs> yeah like the ego will respond the same even if you're loving and fucking men women regardless of gender like (laughs) the ego is as dysfunctional regardless of your sexual and relationship orientation all all those things yeah 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 Yeah. fascinating thank you for naming that and um i i really appreciate uh your intention around inclusivity and just uh, being so clear and listen i mess up on it I mess up on it all the time, right? I live, I grew up in a heteronormative society also where monogamy is also like, I don't even know what the word for it, monogamy normative society. And yet I've worked with clients who do practice ethical non-monogamy and who have different relationship structures and have all kinds of different things. And for me specifically, because I'm a marriage coach and so marriage is like very identified in a certain context, I'm always like calling it out, like saying, hey, I'm a marriage coach and all of these things are beautiful and valid and amazing and Mm. welcome, right? Mm. Are you familiar with, is it Diana Adams? No. Tell I me. Think her, I think the name is Diana Adams. I'll double check and email you afterwards. Yeah. Um, 
and if it's not Diana Adams, I'll also add it in the show notes, but um, they run a, uh, a service. She, I don't know what, how she identifies as. So I'll just say they, they, um, they run a, a legal service and also they share um, ed- educational information around uh, non-monogamous uh, relationship styles and family constellations and offer uh, legal support because it's oh. such a trip to navigate right with yeah. children and families and um, rights yeah. for yeah. queer and non-monogamous um, oh I love folks. that I yeah. love, thank you for bringing that to my awareness yeah, yeah. so yeah. yeah since you since we're on the topic it came yeah. to my mind so maybe that can be inspiring yeah. I love it yeah and for everyone listening Yes, I feel like we're just having a conversation and everyone gets to listen in. (laughs) I know, right? And that's exactly how I want these guests, guest podcasts to feel like. Um, So with all of this, you know, one thing that comes to my mind and that I also wanted to specifically ask you about is how you think about and how you see the resistance around and Mm -hmm. maybe some challenges around this topic, Mm -hmm. um, because it inevitably means that one person will have to do the work, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or that one person is like pouring effort and Mm -hmm. intentionality and uh, taking actions into growing, evolving Mm -hmm. and all of that. And of course, it's, it's for the benefit of the self, right? Mm -hmm. But it's also benefit for the relationship. And it can feel like, like, fuck you. Like, why do I Mm -hmm. have to do this? Why should I do this alone? Mm -hmm. Um, And with sexuality, because of the way women are conditioned and the way it can feel in the household, it can feel like, uh, you know, oh, so I have to take responsibility for my own turn on. I can't he, because, you know, Mm -hmm. oftentimes I work with women in heterosexual Mm -hmm. relationship, but again, it doesn't matter what the gender is. Why can't they do something but often oftentimes in heterosexual relationships there's a heavy emphasis on the female partner to do household chores and to do emotional labor and to you know do all of that stuff for for all of the reasons you know complex nuanced reasons in the way that we are conditioned and you know stereotypical gender roles etc but so how how can one think about that in an empowered way so it doesn't feel like Ugh, the burdening and unfair and just you know filled with maybe even like some resentment and bitterness and stuff like that yeah you know I get this question a lot so I've thought about it very deeply and I have lots of different sort of shades of an answer so I'm going to start with a couple of them and then we'll just see where that leads us but the first thing that comes to my mind is you're the one who wants something different very often if we ask the partner who's involved they're like either cool with what's happening or not bothered enough that it would be something they would be compelled to change. Like their life is pretty amazing. They're with you. Think about how awesome you are. Everyone who's listening to us right now, right? Think about it. They're with you. So they're golden. So just coming to the the understanding (laughs) that it's like, you're the one who wants something different. And they very often, not always, but very often, they're just afraid to rock the boat in any direction. They're like, I'm just like, you should look at me twice. Like, I'm just going to try to coast here and not mess up too bad and make sure, like, this is an energy that I've seen now over and over again. So it's not everybody's situation, but in a lot of cases, it does happen a lot. So I would say one thing is, in in my work specifically, I can't speak to doing the work on your own in other containers because I can't speak to that. But the way that I approach it is, number one, 
it's not that you do all the work, it's just that you go first. Mm-hmm. So you go first and maybe opening up or being vulnerable or starting with kindness or expressing gratitude. You go first. And once that starts happening where you go first, I have thought about this because before I was a coach, I worked in human resources. And for a millennia, for the history of humanity, humanity has learned by example. Humanity has learned by apprenticeship, by following you around, seeing what you're doing, and then doing that, right? This is how we are like wired. Like if you think about, I don't know, back when it was like the baker or the shoemaker or whatever all these things were back in the day. Even now, if we think about medical training, right? When you're a resident, you follow the the more experienced people around, you ask them a ton of questions and you do, you know, what, what they do, right? And so it's like, it's not that crazy to say, I'm going to teach you some things you may not have thought about on, on the relationship side. Eric is going to teach you some things you may not have thought about on the sexuality side. And then your partner can see, oh, that looks like fun. Maybe I do want some of that. Oh, that looks cool. Oh, when we do this, we have a great day. Maybe we should do that again. So that idea is that you go first, not you do everything mm. is really, really important. And the other part of that is it's your own investigation with yourself of what are you doing? Like you said, it's very lopsided. Often when we are on autopilot about what society tells us a relationship should look like, we take on all these things and we, we think we're supposed to, and then we start doing them. And one of the things that comes up in almost all my coaching situations is we do this like reassessment around what should I keep doing? What should I stop doing? What do I need to renegotiate here? Is this still working? So this is one of the fundamental questions for everyone listening for whether it's your sexuality, whether it's how you communicate, whether it's the chores of the house, whatever it is, this is the question to ask. The way we do it today, is it still working? First question. Then what would it look like if it worked for me? Second question. Just that exploration will take you to a different place in your brain than placing blame on your partner for something they haven't done. What do you think, Erica? What are your thoughts about that? Uh, I'm just sitting here just feeling so good inside, listening to you and just going like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm." (laughs) yes, yes, yes. I think it's powerful to just really name that it's not about you doing all the work. It's about you going first. Um, and it's so important with sexuality yeah. to go first in your sexuality, because oftentimes as a woman, you've been conditioned to put yourself last yes. and to be a sexual servant yes. and to please and to not rock the boat and create any unpleasant waves in a dynamic by saying no or saying yes or saying to the right, slow down deeper you know saying anything at all yeah and uh and also by actually having an established self-pleasure or masturbation yeah solo pleasure relationship with yourself Mm -hmm. um it's non-existent in many many women in fact i um i read statistics from a survey in sweden from 2022 um 63 of men people identifying as men masturbate regularly I think it was in the 20s like 21 or 24 25 percent of women a massive difference right 
Yeah. Massive difference. And sometimes I say, if you can't fuck yourself, don't fuck other people. Uh, <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, it, it sounds a little bit like fun and provocative or whatever, but it's it has a very deep meaning. And the the relationship to what you're saying is, you know, you don't have to do it all yourself when you have sex with, you know, if you have this empowered relationship with your sexuality, it's not like you're not going to let your partner do anything or it's like they're what they do doesn't matter anymore. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. But you just go first and you can definitely lead the way and feel so much more empowered and confident and calm in your sexuality because you can lean back and catch yourself. This is something so, this is what this brought up to me. There's a concept that I teach called desire versus dependency. And if we think about our relationships sexually, think about the difference about being with someone because you desire to be with them versus you depend on them for your orgasm. Hmm. And the, the, what the heaviness that can arise, how charged it can feel if there's a sense of dependency versus I'm in charge of, of my orgasm, of my pleasure with or without an orgasm, just of experiencing pleasure in my body, right? Because we don't want to glorify the orgasm either. That's a whole other episode, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm in charge of how I experience pleasure in my body. And I am with this person because I desire to be with this person from a place of loving, healthy, non-attachment. Like not from a place of not caring and throwing it all to hell. No, from a place of like, I want to be with you from desire. And it's kind of a mind bender kind of thing because as humans, this like we have independence and interdependence and we absolutely do depend on each other. So we also have to like hold two opposites at the same time where we can have the idea that like, oh, I can be fully in ownership of myself and I can be fully in relationship with this person. Yeah, I love that. And I 100% agree. And the way I like to paint yeah. the picture, um, yeah. that kind of like, yeah, well, that paints the picture of this is the the empty versus a decorated house analogy. Ooh. <laughs> so, Tell us everything, Erica. <laughs> so imagine that your sexuality is a house, like a living space. And, and, um, and you can, you know, see this in yourself, like the, you, we can um, sort of apply this to this approach or the way that we show up in a relationship, you know, emotionally or just relationally as well. But like you as a being in a relationship in other, in different realms in a relationship, you have this house. And if you're not at home with it, if you're not fucking yourself, pleasuring yourself, touching yourself, uh, feeling like your sexuality or your empowerment, your relational empowerment, all of that stuff, like it belongs to you. It's kind of like no one's home. But then of course, when I paint the picture and it relates yeah. to your sexuality, it's like your pussy, like no one's home, like it's empty. Yeah. And maybe there's like cobweb everywhere and like, you know, <laughs> leaky roof and like, yeah. you know, like it, the whole house is like, like squeaky and like you li- like maybe it's even haunted like trauma you know like yeah. like it's haunted you know there are so many it's but dusty it's, you have to clean it ah like all of that yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly there with you. no no furniture um all of that stuff you can even you know if if you have no boundaries like there are no locks on the door like you can there are so many different ways to yeah. play with that metaphor 
Yeah. But so in this case, it's like no one's home. It's it's deserted. It's haunt. Maybe not even haunt. It's deserted. It's dirty. It's there's no furniture and it's no electricity. It's cold. And then you're like, come on over. And people come in and they're like, oh, I don't want to hang out here. This is spooky. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's have a party. Um, no, I think uh, I think I better go home yeah. versus a house that's like well lit, well yes. furnished nicely decorated comfortable furniture uh Uh, well taken care of and it's so nice for you then to be the hostess and be like come let's have a party and then you can invite one person and it's maybe a significant one maybe it's your monogamous long term or maybe you're having an orgy and you're like let's have a fucking party it doesn't matter right and you invite them in into a space that is yours yes and so and so dependency is kind of like yeah. you living in your partner's sexuality and yes. you're not really like meant to be there 24 7 but you've just kind of like planted yourself there and you brought your yeah. stuff over and then you lost your home and so you're living there you have no place to go mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a little bit awkward and dependency I love the idea of that with the house because it's like yeah if you're over at somebody's house but it's not really quite your house and you never feel totally comfortable or relaxed there I could just see so vividly the empty house your house and then um just being in your partner's house all the time yeah and then it's so interesting thinking about like my actual physical house because I was thinking about this the other day my office is like the one space of my house that it's like 100% only me. Like I decorated it, everything, everything in it is just 100% me. But the rest of the house, when we, when we bought the house together, right, as a team, I had this idea because I'd been to many houses where it was like one partner was very obviously, it was like their house. Yeah. <laughs> and the other partner kind of just lived there. And I said, you know, to said to my husband, I want our house to feel like a sanctuary for both of us. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm more inclined to decorating and picking things and all that, but I want you to chime in. I want you to, do you like this? What do you like? What colors? What things? So he, um, as a kid, had a, a parrot and he has a, a, a painting of a parrot that's like very, uh, two parrots together, actually, that's very special to him. He's like, oh, I'd really love for this to be you know, somewhere in the house. And then we put it in a very prominent place. And I was like, okay, great. So then I'm going to pull colors from this painting, which mm-hmm. has like green and orange and blue and browns. And so the whole house has then those colors, which is very much infused by his presence. But then I'm all about like soft fabrics and comfy. And like, I believe houses are meant to be lived in. So nothing in my house is too precious nothing like things break like whatever happens like like that whole thing and it's it's very much our house Mm. so for everyone listening now that we have all these different houses like now you want to have your own spot like my own spot right in my house and then it's like what part of that house is like belongs to both of you yeah That's so beautiful. And we can directly relate that to sexuality as well, because sometimes the sex that you're having is like in that shared space, or maybe it's like we have a special place we go to as partners. And I love Esther Perel. She says, sex is not something like you do. It's a place you go to. It's, you know, when you enter the erotic trance and the sexual state, it's a place that you go to. And it's also a role all, all bite, very 
embodied and authentic it's still a role or a place or like a persona or character that you step into an archetype or something that you can bring out and play with and so it's a place you go to so it's like which place are we going to um and you're meet you're maybe you're meeting in a place that's like your shared sexual house and then sometimes it's like you actually do go home to your partner to give them oral sex or like totally please them and like totally be the 100 giver and they get to be the receiver but you know that you can go home to your place or that you also have your shared place and then sometimes you invite people over to your place more so it's there are so many different levels of that and i love how you um made me think of that and also how it's important to reflect on like the the space that we share the the, the literally the place that we live in together do yeah. we both feel at home here is there space yes. for us both here and I think yeah. there's a tendency for for um for that maybe being imbalanced yeah I think there is a tendency for it to be imbalanced and I think it's also interesting um I, I many years ago I was talking to an interior designer and we were talking about a, a place that she was uh, redoing. She said, you know, the couple's getting divorced, the, the, this place. And she said, and I, and I know why. I'm like, oh, tell me more, you know, like, <laughs> tell me all about it. She said, it's, the, it's like one of those penthouse apartments. Everything is gleaming. Everything is like silver and white and like pristine. She said, there's not a single place where you can hang out and just talk. Mm. You know, so she's like, there's a bar with very uncomfortable stools. There's like a sofa that you sort of is too low for you to really get comfortable. It's very pretty, but so she walked me through like mentally all these different spaces. She said, there's not a single place in that beautiful stunning penthouse where they could just sort of sit back and relax and actually talk to each other. So it's like, how do the spaces we inhabit support the relationship we want to have, the sexual connection we want to have. So of course I came home after we talked about that. I'm like, okay, we have this little, we have two sofas. We have like a living room and a family room. We have this, we have that. And when we bought our dining table, I remember I, I, I like to sit and talk, you know, I'm a talker. (laughs) If you all all can't tell. Um, And I remember when we were buying the dining tables, I was like, oh, I hated those tables where after you've sat there for 20 minutes, like you just want to get up, like you can't wait to get up because the chair is so uncomfortable. Hmm. So our our dining table has two really cushioned, um, really comfortable chairs that you can like sit for a couple of hours and just have a leisurely meal and just take enjoy yourself. And I was like, oh, we have so many places where we can connect, right? So for everyone listening, the girl in your living space, maybe you need to buy a beanbag or something. I don't know, <laughs> but just check. Yeah. What is the, how does the actual physical space support the emotional and the sexual space that you want to have? Yeah. Ah, so good. And what, so when we do this work then, so you go first and uh, maybe you pull a little bit extra weight in the beginning and, you know, you do some mental preparation, emotional preparation to step into that. And, mm-hmm. and also, I think it's so beautiful to uh, normalize that one partner, especially in relate when there's a relationship issue, that one partner can feel like, I'm actually like, I'm just coasting along, like things are pretty good. And one partner is seeing or feeling very dissatisfied or whatever for whatever reason so we normalizing that I think is just helpful uh and obviously the coaching industry and the self-development industry has you know exploded so it's more than ever um 
normal or considered kind of appropriate to work on stuff and work on relationship stuff and even sexuality stuff. And you also don't have to wait until you're like at the brink of divorce or you're super devastated or like it's actually, you know, wonderful and healthy and it can be super fun to work on your relationship, work on your sexuality when things are actually kind of okay maybe even actually really good <laughs> like normalizing that as well I think it's so important so according to the Gottman research people wait an average of six years to get help in their marriages before like suffering yeah. before they actually get some kind of like formalized help whether it's a workshop or a therapist or a coach or whatever and I just hope that us having you know, podcasts and talking about these things and making it fun to talk about these things, right? Helps people get help sooner because like anything in life, it's like the sooner you catch it, the better, right? And I always, I love Oprah. I talk about Oprah a lot in my podcast and she has a thing that she says is like, get it on the whisper. It's like your mm -hmm. life will speak to you. It will whisper to you. Then it'll get louder, then it'll get louder, then it'll feel like it's screaming at you, and then a brick wall will just fall on top of you. And so she says, get it on the whisper, right? Yeah. So anything that's, so everyone who's listening, if your life has whispered something to you, take a moment, think about the last week, the last month, what is that whisper that you need to lean into? Lean into it. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that it's insignificant or not important if it's a whisper. Yeah. It can mean that it's like actually really important. Yeah. Like your exactly. body doesn't have to scream at you or like shove yeah. it in your face. Exactly. And I definitely, I'm practicing listening more and more to my own, just my body's need for rest. Mm -hmm. I'm like usually a very highly energetic, highly enthusiastic person. And my body more and more is like craving rest and it's, it can feel challenging to give yourself something you actually want. Yeah. Right? It can feel, you can have resistance to giving yourself something. You have identified that you want it. You have committed to giving it to yourself and you can still feel resistance about it, whether it's pleasure or rest or both or the combination. And I just want to normalize that too. Yeah. Yeah. For so many different reasons, it can feel like you're not supposed to give yourself what you want, listen to your own whispers, put yourself first, whatever that, you know, is or means, or prioritize things that maybe don't look, feel, or can be measured as productive, but that could actually give you the most relational or sexual satisfaction or just like soul happiness like yeah. <laughs> or, uh, yeah. yeah and I think that's so important for us to just notice like for for those of us who live in sort of a western industrialized society where productivity is is I don't know revered um some of the things our, our souls are craving are the opposite of productivity as we as we currently know it I mean if we look at our soul's journey on earth, it's never going to be, oh, I'm so proud. I finished that report. You know, like, that's just yeah, not yeah. going to be the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I have a whole podcast episode on, um, on productivity, how um, hustle culture basically blocks your pleasure and kills your libido. Um, yeah. Okay. So we're going to ask Erica by popular demand to link to that in the show notes. 
for this 100%. episode. Yeah, yeah. It's so already good. done. <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so important. But there was one thing that I wanted to ask you about, and I think this also kind of pertains to the idea or like the um, association or the, the, the experience of resistance around yeah. doing things that bring yeah. you positive results or like just follow yeah. your desires. Yeah. It's sometimes the, the fear that, that can come up and I see it in my, I see it in myself. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I see it in my clients and course participants like a lot of fear around if I do, if I do this thing, like if I go uh-huh. first, if I do yeah. the work, if I have the results, if I experience the transformation, yeah, will I like, who will I become? And that person that I become, will mm-hmm. she stay with her partner? Will she yeah. stay with her children? You know, a lot of the times it's like, if I, if I allow, if I allow myself pleasure, if I teach myself how to have all the, the, the pleasure and the orgasms, will I become the town whore? Like, will I will like all hell break loose in society? Like I will just, you know, quit the job, divorce the the partner, leave the kids and like, just go on and become this like unstoppable slut. And, and, and my answer is like 99% nine, you know, 99.9% sure that no, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But you inevitably will change. Yeah. And so there's oftentimes maybe a lot of fear around who will I become and what will that person do? And will she divorce or leave? Like, do you do you see that yeah. in your work as well? Oh, a hundred percent. I've I've definitely especially now I work mostly in groups, but when I was doing one-on-one and I was doing consultations with people, I would get that question straight out. It's like, well, what if I do all these things and then I like want a divorce? And like then wouldn't you be happy to have that clarity? <laughs> like, wouldn't you want to know that? Um, yeah. So one of my things is just, listen, you always have autonomy, agency, and sovereignty, right? You're not just going to go out and do things you don't want to do. Neither Erica nor I will hypnotize you into some <laughs> crazy thing where you lose the ability to make choices. So you will be more clear. That is what will happen is you will be more clear um, oftentimes ambivalence and doubt is a protective mechanism that keeps us where we are because our brain thinks that is safe. Mm. So if you're ambivalent about your sexuality, like you crave a deeper experience of your sexuality, but you also don't want to do anything about it. Part of you wants to keep you safe. And we honor that part. You know, we honor it. And, and the way I teach in my program is I give coaching homework. We do different things depending on what we're working on. Sometimes it's communication. It might be going out on a date. It might be self-pleasuring, depending on what's going on. It could be a lot of things. And I always uh, say it with this caveat. I say, imagine a rubber band. The purpose of the rubber band is to stretch, but not to snap. So anything we do together in coaching, it, it should feel like a stretch. It should feel a little bit uncomfortable. But it shouldn't feel like you're about to snap, which is all of the things you described. It's like, oh my God, what if my whole life snaps? It's like, no, no, no. It's like, and and even when I'm giving homework, sometimes this happened recently where I, I said to the person, and then do this for a week. And she's like, oh, no, no. I all do that once a day. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's okay. We'll do that. Right. And so, and so even in that, like when you're in in a in a coaching situation or a therapeutic alliance or anything like that, you're, you're whoever is helping you is your thought partner. They're not your dictator, right? They're not your dominatrix in that moment. <laughs> They're just your thought partner. <laughs> and I think that's also beautiful to apply that 
understanding to the thoughts in your head and to the parts inside of you. So like the, the yes. part of you that's like, maybe there is a part of you that wants to be the town whore, right? Like yeah. you desire that when you were young or you want to experience more promiscuous, like casual yeah. sex. And like, yeah. as you awaken your sexuality, it's, it, you know, you're moving closer to connecting with that part of you that maybe feels like she didn't get to live out her desires. And then it's like, well, yes, well, that part's not going to like dominate you. Right. Maybe what you can do is like empower yourself, liberate your sexuality within the commitment of monogamy yeah. and role play that you're fucking other people, but it's your partner. Or maybe yes. it's like watching yeah. or like reading novel erotic stories yeah. or allowing yourself to self-pleasure with fantasy. Yeah. Like there are so many different nuances to that exactly what you said where you can stretch that rubber band include the experiences but not snap and not feel like you're gonna lose your mind or lose your sanity and become a completely different person and I think for me personally living in the United States where a lot of personal development is like there's this phrase eat the frog even the phrase sounds awful right it's like do the hardest thing first do the thing that you know, pushes you. And it's like, that is a mentality that does exist in certain um, pockets of personal development. And so what I like to say is, no, don't do the hardest thing first. Do the easiest thing first. Yeah. We feel simple and doable today. Do that. And that's also a dismantling of some of the sort of patriarchal ideas of what growth should look like like growth should be the biggest thing oh. it's like no what if growth is gentle and and loving sustainable. And, and, and sustainable and feels delicious like what if the whole thing could feel deli- like what would that be like right yeah. and it's not that you won't experience some discomfort but if it ever feels like oh my gosh my whole life is snapping you're doing it wrong <laughs> come back yeah. come back <laughs> yeah it makes me think of uh, just like st- the standards that we put on growth and um, and evolution. And I know, and we're going to wrap up soon, but the last yeah. thing that I just want to, the last direction I, wanna, I want to steer us, steer us onto or like into yeah. is this topic of standards, because that completely, it meant so much for me when I heard you talk about it. And oh, yes. It inspired me a lot to talk about it in my courses and with clients. And so could you just speak a little bit? I mean, she's, I wish you could see Maggie. She's like I'm cheering. Totally. Yes. I'm cheering. I look like a cheerleader. I'm like dancing. I'm like, <laughs> so um, I teach acceptance and boundaries inside the marriage MBA, which is the program that I, that I run to help people with their marriages. And as part of that, I took one of the classes that I teach in the program and I just taught it to everyone. And Erica came to that class, which fills me with delight and joy that that was so impactful for her that now she talks about some of those things um, through her lens, which I can't wait to hear about, by the way. And I always credit you. Always, oh my always. God, thank you. I love that. I receive yes. that so much. Um, so when we think about acceptance and boundaries, I also include standards. So what happens is, and this is kind of going back to even going first, when we feel like we're overwhelmed, we're doing too much, it's like, oh, this is one more thing we're going to do. What often happens, I think, in both of our containers in different ways is there's, we start doing less. Yeah. 
we start questioning what are the things we are doing? Are they working? And which ones are we just going to eliminate because they're not working? And what are we going to replace that with that'll get us more of what we want? And in order to do that, we need to think about what are the things we need to accept about ourselves, our partners, our life, whatever's going on. What are the things we need to have boundaries around, which is like, what is okay or not okay in my space and my emotional space, my sexual space, all of that. And then it's like, what is my standard? So for example, just to give a, a simple thing, um, I don't respond to bullying, right? So when I worked in corporate and in a you know big uh, hospitality company, whatever, we had a VP who was a bully. And I was like, no, that doesn't work on me. So literally one time he called me all, blah, 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 you know, riled up. And I said, oh, with me, you get more bees with honey than with vinegar. So when you calm down, call me back. And I literally, I literally with respectfully, right, very uh, diplomatically was like, when you calm down, call me back. Bye. I just was like, I will not be spoken to that way. That's just a standard that I have, period, right? Mm. Um, and that's kind of a fun story because he, the next day, then sent an email to like CCing the entire company. Oh, Maggie does such a great job. And, da, 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 da. and I was like, okay, message received. All is well. We can just move on from this. Um, but think about. Can, you, can yeah, I? Yeah. I just want to um, ask you for a relationship example. Yeah. Um, it could be. I mean, in our house, we don't call each other names. That's a standard. We never do that. It's just and a standard in your relationship could work yeah. in a different relationship. Like it's not, it's not yeah. good or bad. I mean, obviously there are some things that are, we kind of yeah. know it's healthy, but like cursing, yeah. for example, and yeah. some people, some people love cursing. Some people like love okay. it. And some people like being called names as a turn on. So I'm all for whatever works for each person. Right. Yeah. Um, what would be a standard that you would give as an example, just to give some variety? Um, Hmm. Good question. I think a standard, an example is that we don't ignore each other's feelings or opinions, even when we disagree. Love that. We don't ignore each other, even when we disagree. We can disagree and still listen to the other person Yeah. with loving compassion. <laughs> exactly. Thank you for like putting that yeah. into a positive statement. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a standard is kind of like the way we do things. Yeah. It's the simplest way to, to, to think about a standard. How do you approach it when you're talking about it? Well, the way I kind of learned it from you, for me, yeah. it was just so um, mind-blowing, eye-opening to think about standards as a kind of framework yeah. within which we operate rather than yes. having like boundaries for everything I, and I yes. love how you say like when you have standards you don't need so many boundaries because yeah. it's the standard kind of reinforces the thing yes. automatically or yes so another like standard that we have is or that I well actually yeah that we that we work with in our relationship now and that's improved things a lot is around like standards around like how we leave the house before yeah. we go do something yeah. like certain kind of like things that we do and in, in the order like the order in which yeah. we do things like that's become a standard yeah um and so you can have standards around parenting yeah are important if you're parenting with someone yeah. um yeah 
and also I think just like having standards for your kids as well is so beautiful if if you have a family where if you live with children it's like yeah it, it becomes because standards then become norms yes and so you don't need the boundaries because a norm is already like it has such a strong imperative kind of force in a way so if for everyone who's listening think about ahead of time what matters to you and what we could call it a procedure so I used to work in HR before I was a coach so I could bring some of those things into my relationship work and I think about it like what is the relationship culture we want to create in our home yeah. And so that could be a, a doorway in if you're like, what are these women talking about these standards? It's like, it's like, what is the relationship culture we want to have? So it could be like, um, for my husband and I, we don't accept invitations to things without talking to each other first. That's kind of a standard. We just, it could be family member, friends, whoever, we discuss it and then we say whether we're available or not available. And so I don't have to constantly be saying yes, no, maybe, or whatever to all the people. We, we discuss it together and then we together. Um, so you could have a standard that you both hold together. So some of them are like team or relationship standards. Um, the decision to be monogamous is like a standard. We don't constantly have to negotiate every time we go out to a bar, whether we're going to sleep with someone else. We've just decided we're not sleeping with other people. And let me say something there. Yeah. I think this is so, you know, we're entering yeah. into a whole yeah. exciting realm with monogamy and non-monogamy. But a lot of the times when it comes to especially monogamy, it's something that is never negotiated. It's always assumed. Mm-hmm. And we're thankfully, I think this is very positive. We're moving yeah. into um, a time in, you know, in, in our culture, a new kind of era yeah. where non-monogamy is considered. Yeah as a healthy relationship yeah. and sexual orientation and that it's and it's navigated by more and more people and if you're curious about this if it's something that you feel is kind of well naturally like you're naturally inclined to non-monogamy or you've been a serial cheater <laughs> because that's like cheating is basically proof that non-monogamy exists mm-hmm. um right but yeah. in, in a funny kind of twisted mm-hmm. way yeah. or that obviously something is not great in the relationship mm-hmm. um but if you're thinking about it there are so many resources and uh, you can learn about it in a healthy and exciting and fun and proactive way just yeah. like we're talking about being proactive in your sexuality being proactive yes. in relationships there are so many things to do that and a standard isn't written in stone a standard can change mm. So we can have a way that we do things now. And then we can say, like we said at the beginning of the episode, is this still working? What would it look like if it worked for me? What, how would we approach it together as a team, if you're a team with someone, right? So, but the idea of just having, thinking through, what are some of the things that bother you the most? That's an easy way to, to think about where do I either, either need to set a boundary or talk to my partner or partners about, what is what do we want our standard to be about this yeah and I love how it can be applied to really simple practical things like because I work well now I don't always work from home I finally have an office yay um (laughs) but for many years I've worked from home for many years my partner has also been home and it's easy to get sloppy and you know lose your kind of routine so a new standard that we implemented was we always make the bed together uh, 
when we get up and and then because we've agreed on it and we talk about it and it's been um like negotiated agreed upon and kind of sealed like a standard if one person forgets because sometimes you forget or if you know you get interrupted or something happens it's so much more easier to bring the other person like bring that person back and say like hey uh come help me or we missed it or something and it doesn't have to become as there's not so much charge around it and it's not immediately a seed for conflict because yes yes it's it's so beautiful to diffuse the emotional intensity and just be like oh we agreed to this are you still available for that then let's do it yeah and it doesn't have to become a fight yeah I love it yeah yeah so that's been life-changing for me and I always see my um clients and students react so positively when I um share that concept with them and and you know acceptance is and I I also share with you some of my like massive breakthroughs around acceptance and I can't what did you say to me in our messenger chat like you just saw me like blossoming like a flower I don't know it was so beautiful I was crying you were crying everyone's crying (laughs) (laughs) today we're laughing but we have cried together about a lot of things (laughs) yes um but acceptance is also one of those things and obviously it's at the at the the root at the base at the core of all spiritual practice yeah and i truly believe that relationships well my well all relationships but especially my romantic relationship is part of my like spiritual practice or the way yes i, I believe that too yeah I believe in relationship as a spiritual path absolutely yeah I'm happy to hear that who you want to be in the world right that's another reason when we talk about you doing the work because it's not about the other person it's about who you want to be in the world I think we should leave on that note because yes it's perfect I love it oh I love you Maggie you're the best thank you I love you Erica we're hugging Aww. ourselves in, 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 on Zoom. Yes. <laughs> yes. A good old Zoom hug, as we do these days. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, well, actually, we ended on such a powerful note and with uh, stating that relationships can be a spiritual path. But is there anything else that you feel like you're just dying to like say? Or is there a message or something? Or does it feel complete for you? Yeah. yeah. I think I would say one thing to everyone listening is let it be messy. Mm. We live in such a perfectionistic society, especially for women. It's like in order to get ahead, we have to be, we feel like we have to be better than other people. And sometimes it's true, right? And so we have such a resistance to allowing ourselves to be a beginner or to be wobbly or to be sloppy or messy. And I find myself saying that to my to myself and to my clients as well. And it's just like, you heard us talk about a lot of things and you might be excited and then you might be disappointed when you try one of these things and you're like, oh my gosh, it's a mess. It's like, just permission granted, like it's messy, like sex is messy and delicious. So things can be messy and wonderful. And so that would be the one thing I'd want everyone to know is not to use anything we talked about against yourself, not to go into all or nothing thinking about it. Like, oh, if I don't do all the things they said, no, it's like pick one thing we talked about that resonated for you and just gently and lovingly live into that. Yeah, I love that. And let it take time because it takes time. Yeah. 
sometimes it takes time for sometimes bad habits get sort of um cemented fast but they take a long time to undo or to unwind and um and one thing about messiness that I want to add lastly is I usually call it the messy middle and sometimes life is messy middle like you <laughs> the whole thing <laughs> it's the whole thing birth is messy yeah yeah <laughs> and so yeah. the life is the messy middle um yeah. and also like, from my own speaking from my own personal experience like a what what looks like a bad relationship or like a, a really messy relationship can actually it can actually become good or like it can it can feel really shitty and then it can feel really good and it yeah. just sometimes yeah. takes time and the right support i love it thank you maggie thank you erica bye everyone Bye. And definitely go and check out Maggie's work if you need a positive approach, a loving approach to growth and relationships, um, really solutions focused and with um, Maggie's like um, bottomless well of positivity and radiance and fun, lighthearted approach, then you'll learn lots there. So yes, yes, yes. Thank you. And bye. Bye. <laughs> Okay, my friend, that's it for today. Thanks for listening. I hope you learned something new today or that I reminded you of something you already knew or do and that you feel inspired and encouraged to prioritize sex, pleasure, and orgasms in your busy life. If you love this podcast, please share it with your friends and give it a rating or review so this important message can reach more people on this planet. Thank you so much for being here and I'll see you next time.